Hey, welcome back. Hey, it's been a while. Hey, we're rusty, so forgive some of the audio quality and some of the lazy editing and all of the inside jokes that if you haven't been with us since the beginning, you probably won't understand, but stick around with us. They'll come to you over time. Thanks for listening. It's Matt. Wait a minute. You mean it wasn't brand time traveling and going back and dry, driving <laughs> Mad King Mind? Oh, no. It's Stephanie. I'm quitting the show. No, stop trying to make me quit the show. <laughs> it's Holly. It's true. I need mushroom. Mushroom, mushroom. I need, I need mushroom. It's Kelly. That it will be protected at all times. She will not have my Chucky water. It's Susan. There was those stop. great posts that he made a few months ago that he's been working on. <laughs> Wonderful panelists. Have I made you quit the show now, Stephanie? Yes, yes. <laughs> now I finally quit the show. You had to bring that up. Uh, I'm, I'm good at being a dissenter, aren't I? Spoiler alert. This podcast will keep... TV only and book talk separate from one another but when discussing either it always discusses in the context of the most recent release in that medium you've been warned covering all things in a song of ice and fire and all game of thrones properties on HBO you're listening to before the dragon Welcome back to Before the Dragon podcast. All eight of you who are listening, we really appreciate it. There's only three more of you out there than actually is part of this podcast, but that's fine with us. We really appreciate you listening to us. We know it's been a while. This time around, a special kind of Brady Bunch reunion bad episode where HBO plays the role of Jan and says prequels, 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 as we go through this huge amount of news. We're going to be talking about all of the new Game of Thrones franchises for HBO and probably HBO Max as well. We don't know what's going to be separated, what's not going to be separated. We don't even know what's really going to happen. But I tell you, when Hollywood Reporter, Entertainment Weekly, and Variety all come up with three separate stories about HBO franchises in the same week. That's not good journalism. That's someone at HBO uh, leaking to different sources uh, to tell them that, we, hey, we're thinking about this and we need some buzz because Disney just came out and announced three billion Star Wars shows and two billion Marvel shows for the next year or so. And we need to find a way to keep up because we've lost half of our subscribers and we don't know what to do. And here to talk with me about this and, of course, the possibility of all of these franchises, which we will first talk about from a TV perspective only, and then we'll later on get into a special book section where we can preview some of what might be covered in these series. But I am joined once again by my favorites. They're the sirens of A Song of Ice and Fire, not because they're deadly or dangerous, but because they lure you in with their knowledge. And we're going to start from the north. She's a siren for whom nothing else really matters now that Sansa is queen in the north. She's at SM Persephone on Twitter. It's Stephanie. Stephanie, how are you? It's been so long. Yay! Yes, Queen Sansa. Yes, Queen. 
I'm very excited to be here. Very excited to be with all the ladies and with you, Matt. Yay, so glad to have you from the south as I look behind me to my back because I always face north. I want to talk about a siren who's been with me on many, many a podcast and is surely sick of me. And she's <laughs> always ready to talk about Game of Thrones, just as long as she doesn't have to play that stupid three words game that I make her play in every podcast she's on with me. She's at Hunt Pants on Twitter. It's not weird. It's just at Hunt Pants. It's Holly. How are you? Matt, I'm great. And it's super great to be back with my ladies. It's been so long since we've all been together. And I'm really excited to be here and talking about all of these exciting new prequels. From the East, we have the Siren who, if I was going to Vegas and I was going to lay odds on a prop bet, I would entirely lay all the, everything I own on this prop bet. And that is that this Siren from the East can recite the entirety of the World of Ice and Fire backwards. That's at Black Eyed Lily on Twitter. It's Susan. Welcome back, Susan. Oh, thank you, Matt. As I say, you always give me too much credit, but I am thrilled to be back and having an opportunity to get back into the world of A Song of Ice and Fire with you all. From the West, this siren is guaranteed to have a flowchart, a Venn diagram, and a spreadsheet accompanying her detailing the process of making Cheke water into ice cubes for King's Landing. <laughs> it's at Kelly Underfoot on Twitter. Kelly, how are you? <laughs> oh, I'm hard at work, nose to the grindstone, figuring out how we can get some of that process figured out and detailed so that we know exactly how that spider got that checky water and turned it into ice cubes. I'm sure that there, it's, it's my greatest conspiracy theory yet. <laughs> I was going to say, it's probably a lot more plausible than the Grand Northern Conspiracy uh <laughs> Podcasts with, with, with more evidence, sure, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm very, very excited to be back talking to you guys. This is going to be a lot of hot air coming out because this is—I feel like all of these articles have the same information that they were all fed or like bounced off of each other. So we're going off of what they said, and that you know we'll do our best. But I'm just excited to be talking about Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire again, and. Checking in with everybody. It's been a hard year, but you know what? This is a good 2021 kicker. Let's get it going. Yeah, well, you know, when James Hibbert is too busy promoting his ho-hum book to, to, to where he gets scooped by Variety and Holly and <laughs> Hollywood Reporter, I just feel like that maybe, uh, maybe this was a little bit planned by HBO, a little more than we uh, tend to think as everybody's just coming up with these stories by the way you can find all of the episodes of this podcast and lots of other podcasts that i do on mattsaudioblog.com you can follow this twitter the letter b the number four the dragon on twitter and you can also find before the dragon spelled out in english not with hieroglyphics or anything like i just did to twitter but you can find it on apple podcasts please subscribe rate and review the podcast there so that we can become more noticeable among the 17 trillion Game of Thrones podcasts that are out there and still clogging your feed up with no content. But here we are to give you content. We're going to start with a TV only section where we will be talking about the different franchises, one that we know has been greenlit and others that were reported on in the recent weeks by 
news gathering people in the entertainment industry. And on January 21st, we're going to start with this. We got the news from Variety Magazine and Entertainment Weekly Magazine that two other prequels for the Game of Thrones, The Song of Ice and Fire franchise, uh, seem to be uh, weighing on HBO. They're evidently talking to that, and that's on top of the already reported prequel, House of Dragons. The franchises are going to be based on two series that uh, George R. R. Martin has already written about, although one of them he has finished um, and one of them he is not, even though we could get more information in the Song of Ice and Fire proper about Robert's Rebellion. There was reports that George was going to continue to write uh, some Duncan Egg novellas. Susan, how excited were you for the news that these new franchises might come out? Uh, well, possibly, or at least are being spoken of. Well, I'm quite excited about it. And, of course, we've been hearing about Pass the Dragon for a while. Uh, but the idea of these additional ones, to me, gives me uh, additional hope that we will soon be seeing the winds of winter. Primarily because Robert's Rebellion, I think that in order for you to get all the details of that, you would want to have had Wins come out so that you could get the secret details that he's kind of keeping to reveal in the last couple books. You'd want to have that information before you went forward with something. And he's talked about not wanting to do anything with the Duncan Egg series in terms of past these first three little novellas that we have. He doesn't want to go into his, his next novellas in the series until wins is out so i'm hoping that the idea that they would get into these other two would mean that we would first be seeing wins get to our bookshelves what kelly were your reactions to just hearing these names thrown out robert's rebellion and duncan egg did, did it get you excited did you feel uh, did you uh, pour yourself a glass of cheque water? What happened? <laughs> it's strong on the rocks, cheque water. No, I um, I was very excited. I mean, anytime I see anything about Game of Thrones coming out, a constant excitement will always be my first reaction because I'll forever be an optimistic, hopeful that they will do me right on this uh, on this occasion. So, for the House of the Dragon, and um, when I heard about Robert's Rebellion, it kind of cut into what I was thinking about I would have liked to see for House of the Dragon. So my theory about like House of the Dragon and how they kind of started talking about what that was going to entail, I thought they might hopefully maybe expand it since they called it House of the Dragon, that maybe they leave themselves some wiggle room to cover more of the Targaryens. So when they said that they were going to do a separate show about Robert's Rebellion, I was a little iffy about that because that would be an awesome way to conclude this House of the Dragon series instead of making it its own franchise that they'd have to like litigate over you know, who gets the, the rights to that show. It would limit what the House of the Dragon could be if they made it their own Robert's Rebellion show. So that one I was kind of iffy about, but I was so excited for Dunkin' Egg. I love Dunkin' Egg. It's just so much more lighthearted while still being in the tone of Game of Thrones. So I feel like that could have been a little bit of a salve for how uh, <laughs> Game of Thrones, uh, the series, went to get, help you get back into Westeros and to feel the, I don't know, the grandiose and, and the the minutia of this rich world that George has created. And I think, you know, that was what I really was excited about for Duncan Egg. 
And it doesn't really infringe on much of anywhere else in the storyline. It's kind of its own offshoot. There are little like toe dips into the main storyline. So it could exist, I think, in its own kind of side <laughs> of the House of the Dragon if it were to be a more grandiose series and than a Dunkin' Egg. So yeah, excitement always, but a little trepidatious about limiting their options by making this many. As always, Holly, how about you? I feel the same as Kelly for the most part. I'm very, very excited about Dunkin' Egg. I'm also excited about Robert's Rebellion, but not as much just because actually in both of these cases, and you've already mentioned this, but they're both unfinished George R.R. Martin works, in my opinion, and I'm a little wary of once again a show getting ahead of, of Martin in these cases. But with that said, I think Dunkin' Egg is the perfect spinoff series. It's got everything that we liked about our favorite things. Our favorite parts of Game of Thrones is encompassed inside of Dunkin' Egg. I know we talk about when we were podcasting about Game of Thrones, we would always enjoy the little buddy cop adventures. And that's basically what their whole story is about. And just these two characters going on adventures. And I'm really looking forward to that. And it's going to be super fun, I think. Excellent. Stephanie, you get the last word on this subject. I'm more excited about the Roberts Rebellion than maybe the other ladies are, but anything Game of Thrones coming on our screens is always a good time, and getting to see Dunkin' Egg in the flesh, that'd be exciting. Even possibly a new animated series, that's something different. I'm just really excited to have the Song of Ice and Fire back on our screen. But can we get Brian Cogman involved in any of these projects? Because I think he would... I, man, he would add so much. He'd be a huge asset to any of these teams. And I hope he's considering it or some, I don't know. His name isn't attached to anything yet. So considering the amount of work that he's been doing uh, for the Lord of the Rings television show that's going to be on Amazon, I think he went over there. Okay. So I, I don't know how available he's going to be. I forgot about that. Uh, but that that was the last news that I heard regarding Brian Cogman. I, he had pitched one of the original, what, six shows that they were talking about for possibly doing uh, for spinoff franchises. Uh, but his was rejected pretty quickly from what I understand. So that I think that's a shame as well. I, I agree. Um, you know, the, the poor guy got <laughs> he got thrown under the bus by Dave and Dan. But that's a discussion for another time. And we'll get into this Roberts Rebellion now. Uh, it was uh, being reported by Entertainment Weekly. James Hibbert had to respond because he was getting out scooped by everybody. Or maybe HBO just didn't like his book, just like I didn't. But anyway, uh, HBO has been meeting with several top writers who are pitching other ideas based on George R. R. Martin's works. Among the ideas being contemplated is a prequel series based on Roberts Rebellion, the war for the Iron Throne that upended Westeros a couple of decades before the events of Thrones. Now, Stephanie, I'm going to start with you here. We saw little things that could be kind of on the edges of this Robert's Rebellion in the series proper. We saw things like Ned uh, finding Lyanna. Uh, that was, uh, I guess, technically right around towards the end of the war. We saw little snippets from Bran regarding the Mad King and all of this stuff. And I'm not thinking that they're going to be casting anybody, even if they go through with this project. It's not likely that we're going to see the Ned in the television series proper, the younger version, I mean. We're certainly not going to see, uh, <laughs> we're certainly not going to see Sean. So 
that's uh, the thing. What, how are you feeling about how they can approach this? Do you want to see some of these things reshot, or or, or do should they just not include those and and leave that kind of just as a dovetail? We've already seen snippets of Robert's Rebellion, like you've said. But I think the best course of action would be to probably reshoot it all with new actors. And, you know, then we get the full comprehensive picture. We get Tower of Joy. We get Rhaegar on the Trident. We get Jamie with the Mad King. We get all the little snippets that we've seen before, but maybe a whole big through story that we can follow throughout the seasons. I think that'd be the way to go, but I'm excited to see if they do reshoot it, get the a full picture of the Tower of Joy and what happens there, because that's my one of my favorite parts of this series. Holly, any thoughts on that? Basically, I'm kind of glad the show didn't lean too hard into flashbacks in A Game of Thrones because of this reason. They did in the later seasons because of Bran, of course, but I think it's ultimately a good thing that we didn't see a ton, and they did show us some pretty important moments, but there's so much more that happened in Robert's Rebellion that I am excited about seeing, which we'll talk about in the book section, but yeah. I think if they reshot it, it looked totally different. It wouldn't really bother me too much, but it is a little bit of a corner that they painted themselves into having some footage and some casting already there from the previous show so if they change it up a lot it, it will stand out kelly any thoughts on that or any other thoughts about robert's rebellion there as far as the tower of joy scene i would imagine that that would come at the very end of the series maybe the last season could be like the wrap-up of post you know taking king's landing and all of this the fallout that came after so by that point, who knows how long they're going to make this actual series. So you're talking years and years of following new actors. And if the show is successful, then you'll have become attached to this Ned or and, and this Robert and this Tywin and this Barristan. And I'm just picturing all of the characters that we're going to see in their younger form. And they did, they've always done a really good job with casting. So I have no doubt that they would be able to find good fits that, that the audience would forgive that they are not their favorite elder version of themselves. You know what I mean? So um, by the time you get into the, the Tower of Joy scene, I could imagine, I could even see them reshooting the actors in the same scene. I mean, all of that was CGI anyway, so they could just put that in the background, have the same, not in film, uh, what do you call when you have like the staging where everyone's in the same positions, the dialogue is the same, but now you've got the actors from this this show that you've been watching for so long, and now you get to see them in that same scene, kind of redux, the, you know? The blocking? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. For sure. And then you can, you know, even the Liana character, you know, you could have be the same actress. Like that could be the same footage, you you know, because you never really saw them super interactive, you know, as she was in the bed and he was next to her. Like, so they could just put the other actor that you've grown attached to into those shots. And it would just be, I could see that being done seamlessly. And I would be impressed to achieve that. And that's how I would solve that. (laughs) (laughs) Susan, what are they, where are they going to find another mountain? I mean, are we, are we just, are we making <laughs> eight foot tall guys from now on? I mean, what, what are we going to do here? Yeah, it, I think it'll be interesting, but I, I do think that the idea that you would be able to find other actors that they would cast into these roles that we would really enjoy them in terms of the way they would interpret them and so i think that most of what we've seen so far from robert's rebellion that's been in the game of thrones series is stuff that kind of comes towards the end of it 
So I think they can, I think they can dovetail it together pretty good. Let's talk. The, the only writer that was possibly even mentioned, because this is all still HBO is saying, no, 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 no. We're not going to comment at this point. We're not going to comment. Uh, <laughs> you leaked this story and you're not going to comment. That's funny. Anyway, that's what they say. But there was one name that was mentioned, and I remember this name because I was a big fan of this show. Uh, a long time ago, HBO had a show on called Rome, and uh, the one of the writers for that show, uh, one of the showrunners, was Bruno Heller. And uh, he was mentioned in this Entertainment Weekly article as a possible person that they were talking to. Doesn't mean that he's going to be, you know, in on it or Again, we're all just uh, speculating at this point, which because there's nothing else to do. Uh, but Kelly, how would you feel about Bruno Heller taking on a Game of Thrones show? Uh, do you think he'll he'll finally break HBO's budget to the point where they can't afford to do any of them anymore? <laughs> I don't know. I thought Rome was done. I mean, that when did that show come out? Like that show was really well done. They did not have Game of Thrones budgets, so like I could see him making it work on whatever budget shoestring they give him until he proves that this franchise is viable. So. I loved Rome. I, I think it had a very similar vibe. Like it was very, it was like early two thousands, I think. So like it had a very mm -hmm. early two thousands version of the vibe that you get from like historical pieces like this. I think Game of Thrones heavily is was heavily influenced by those kinds of shows. So just the emphasis on settings and and costumes and the priority placed on those kinds of things and and being authentic and the just detail too. I mean, ignoring Starbucks cups. I mean, we're talking like <laughs> detail like table sets and all of that stuff being very thought through on Rome was really well done. So having a name from a show like that attached to kind of a baby franchise like this, that they're, you know, will Game of Thrones be successful in in whatever form it continues in? Having a name like this on it, I think would be very um, promising. Excellent. Stephanie, what are you thinking about uh, Bruno Heller? Is, is Would that give you even more hope or less hope? Well, I've only seen a little bit of Rome. I haven't seen the whole series, but I am optimistic with Heller being part of it. I think it bodes well, and I think it gives any series that he might be attached to, I think it gives it a little leg up and gives him something to work with since he's already worked for HBO and he probably knows how everything works there. And he probably gets a bigger budget because it's dealing with Game of Thrones, I would think. Excellent. Holly, you were what, five years old when Rome came out? Oh, my God. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm not a baby. <laughs> she was eight. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what, what year it came. What year did it come out? Early 2000s? I was yeah. probably an adult by then, depending on what year it came out. I didn't watch all of it either. Like, Stephanie, I do remember it had, oh, what is his name? Mance Raider is in it. I remember that. Yep. Karen Hines. And I, I, I don't even want to say it. it. Will he have higher insurance premiums? Because <laughs> <laughs> didn't, didn't, then that set burned down and that's why they had to stop making it. That was one of the things. Yes, that was one of the things. There was that's, no money to rebuild it. And that's all I know about Rome. <laughs> Excellent. Susan, what about you? Well, 
I believe that I watched the entire first season of Rome, but haven't seen completely all the second season. But I do think it is very well done and one of those shows that has a big following to it. People really appreciated what it was. And I think that anyone who was involved in it would only benefit what they would be coming forward with with more uh, Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire series. Excellent. Excellent. Let's move on to Dunkin' Egg. Unless, does anybody have any final thoughts about Robert's Rebellion? Uh, speak now or forever hold your peace. I just want to add one little thing about this is I do feel like they could do this really well. I just, I wish I had a better idea as to like how they could make a war, an entire series. I know that's kind of what this was, you know, the War of the Five Kings, but I mean, I don't see how they can make all these little vignettes. In my head, all I can picture is like this Battle of the Bells, the Sack of King's Landing. Like I know that they can take all of these, you know, the Battle of the Trident. I can picture the vignettes being amazing, but how you connect it all together, I'm worried about filling in those gaps for the, uh, <laughs> that's a big load to carry yeah. for multiple years of a show. So that's my concern. I would like it to be, I don't know, maybe pre-planned how the whole thing will go. And I guess they have that opportunity because it is a you know, more or less a defined story than the Game of Thrones was, which they were kind of dragging out. <laughs> so now, see that that's very interesting to me because if you have a, a guy like Bruner Heller involved in this, um, Rome, while you know you had your central characters, it was really just about these two soldiers and their friendship as they're going through. Titus, it, right? Titus Polo, I loved, I love Titus Polo so much. Yes, I loved these, these Lucius. Yeah, the, those were really good characters. So his name being on there right. gives me confidence in in making it work. But yeah, so, if you wanted to take some liberties with this, which I know that uh, some a Song of Ice and Fire people would groan about, but if you really wanted to take some liberties about this, you don't make the characters or the main characters of Robert's Rebellion, you still have to feature them quite heavily, but you don't make the main characters the people that we know, but you follow a, a, a kind of a sub-story the way George sometimes does in, in some of his books, uh, and just them going through these battles together or what have you. And then your big battle, your your vignettes, or you say, they can be just one episode, an episode nine or an episode ten of a particular season. I think you're absolutely right, Matt, because us book readers and probably a lot of the TV show watchers already, we already all know the outcome of Robert's Rebellion. So how do you recreate that and keep it interesting and unpredictable? And I think, like you just said, maybe following some different minor characters who maybe aren't quite so connected to the central aspect of the rebellion and just following and getting invested in what happens to these characters and how they go through it uh, would be way more interesting and full of surprises. That's I'm getting very heavy Telltale vibes. I don't know if any of you guys played the Telltale Game of Thrones, but you follow. Yes. Right? You kind of follow this house that's not really in the main story. So you've got the all of the events of the main story impacting this house that you care about and follow, but you don't really have the main... You get little, like, visits from the main characters, and that's kind of cute. But, like, other than that, you know, it's its own thing. And they did a, such a great job with that game because I feel like House Ironwood is canon now. You know, like, it, they did a really good job making that a believable location and everything that happened. I was like, yeah, I could totally see all of this happening. It, it made sense. They did a really great job with that game. <laughs> so marrying those two ideas, Matt, I like that. The, the You got Bruno Heller from Rome, which I'm a little weary of now that I'm thinking about Rome so much now. It was only two seasons. <laughs> 
it was not uh, did not get the successful arc that you would have from a show like this. But you, if you take that idea with the telltale concept, I think there's success there somewhere in that mix. <laughs> well, Variety reported on a story that we would have to have two main characters uh, featured on. I don't know how many times you'd have to recast these people, given that the stories cover a, a vast period of time over for these characters. But uh, there was talk of a Duncan Egg series uh, that Variety reported on uh, with Sir Duncan the Tall. If you don't know who he is, I think everybody on this podcast is well aware. We did so many podcast winterfells over this stuff. And Aegon the Fifth Targaryen, who is known as Egg. Uh, and the events happened 90 years prior to the events of A Song of Ice and Fire. And Variety was very scarce on the details. They said no talent is currently attached to the project, but sources say it is a high priority for HBO as a premium cabler looks to build on the success of Game of Thrones, i.e. Disney went out and just, just flooded the market. We got to do it, too, with our one franchise that everybody still kind of loves. So with the Dunkin' Egg, Susan, we're looking at basically three uh, novels or novellas that are completed, a possibility for more from George after he finishes wins or so he says. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how, how would you map out this show if you, if you were a, a showrunner for Dunkin' Egg? Yeah, well, I think I would want to first pin George down a little bit more to how he sees the entire arc of these stories going because he has talked about anywhere from six to 12 different Duncan Egg stories. I think right now with the working titles and things that he's got going, he's got about nine different stories, including the three that we already have. So I think the idea of doing um, with what we've got right now, uh, one novella uh, per season. I think that there's plenty of material in those that they could do that. There's, there's very limited stories here. Like we just have what the three novellas right now, uh, which are all collected into into one kind of compendium. If you if you want to buy it like that from George, but they kind of give Dunk's origin story, I guess, in the first one in a lot of ways, and then it moves on to him and Aegon having much more to do with each other in the other two. All we have to do is hope that eight footmen keep growing on trees. We'll have to we'll have to uh, check the NBA for some people. I think, uh, Stephanie, what is your excitement for Duncan Egg? Well, I think that Duncan Egg is just the perfect little prequel series for Game of Thrones. Like Susan said, like each novella could be one season, maybe not even ten episodes, but you know, getting to meet these characters that we've known for so long, Duncan Egg. They've been around for a while, and the fandom, I think, is probably pretty excited to see them come to life on screen, eight-foot men notwithstanding. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Holly, how how do you feel about Duncan Egg? I'm super excited about it, like I said earlier, but I don't know if it needs a full season. If each novella needs a full season, I think it could really benefit with the Sherlock treatment, maybe feature length episodes for each novella or an extremely like shortened, like limited series kind of season. Because I'm thinking just about the first story and it doesn't need to be more than two to three episodes, in my opinion. I think they can kind of squeeze it all in. 
But I, I don't know. That's just kind of how I see it. The Sherlock treatment where they kind of come back whenever Moffat like has a new story to tell and they, they shoot it again. And that would maybe benefit if they find like a good younger actor to play Egg that we can maybe grow up with as the time goes on. I don't know. It would just be kind of neat and interesting for the fandom. We're like, oh, when's the next Duncan Egg going to come out? Like people will fall in love with it. And then we get a little bit less of it, which just makes us want it even more. I don't know. That's kind of how I've been thinking about it. I, I don't I, um, I don't know if I want super long episodes or, or a super long season of Dunkin' Egg. I don't want them to add too much. I think the material is great the way it is. I think they can I think they can do it with less. They can do more with less. They are shorter stories and the more they add, the more they're going to take away from the good that's they could potentially take away from the good that's already there. And if we learned anything from Game of Thrones, it's the earlier seasons are fantastic because they had the source material to work with. And the more they strayed away from the source material, the kind of got a little shaky. So I think just to avoid maybe those issues, keep it short and sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree that that's kind of how I was portrayed, even though I was saying one season for each of the novellas, I was thinking about it as a, as a sh- much shorter season than just, you know, than 10 episodes. Yeah. Well, you know, Disney, they're doing a lot of short things. There's going to be a lot of, what, a small series of, mm-hmm. or, or a limited Obi-Wan series. So I, I think that, that that would be a good motion. Please don't bring up Obi-Wan. I have to get to bed early tonight, and I have I have a lot of thoughts about Obi-Wan. No, this is Mostly, not... Most of them not appropriate for the podcast, so we could just move on. Not a Star Wars <laughs> podcast. Not a Star Wars <laughs> podcast. Uh, Kelly, any final thoughts about Dunkin' Egg? Do you want to break out your spreadsheets now, or do you want to... <laughs> I am of two minds on this. I think that I would just, as much as I love everything Game of Thrones, and I would want just to delve back into this world, I do have to think of the way that this show would be different from Game of Thrones. The series was very short scenes between you know groups of characters, whereas this show would be these two characters all the time. Like you, there would not. I would have a hard time seeing how they would call this you know, something based on Dunkin' Egg and not have one of those characters in all of the shots or in all of the scenes, for the most part. So having an entire series on just, let's say, John, or an entire series on just Arya sounds great, but it's very, very different. So I wonder if they're thinking of it in those ways. And like you guys are saying, doing just two or three episodes or four, you know, maybe I could see it being five episodes. I don't know if I I could see them compressing bigger stuff like this, because there is a lot that happens. And it's just it's so it's written just really condensed. So I think that that would be a way that they could make that leap from the show where you had all of these characters and all these machinations happening all over the place to the much more simplified scenes through these two characters' eyes with all these machinations that they happen to be around. But it's not something that they're affecting very much. It's it's more like the the way the books are, are written is to show you what's happening, but these characters are just witnessing it more than they are making these things happen. Not to say they don't have any influence, but just to say that it's... They're, you know, it's a boy and a hedge knight, so, you know, the kingly stuff is much more happening around them and their windows to see it, but it's much more background. So an entire 10 episodes season about their experience does seem a bit much. So uh, two minds, not sure where I fall. I probably would take either because we do just have time in Westeros. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, this kind of also ties into what we're going to talk about next, too. So Matt, take it away. 
All right. Well, we're going to get into the animated possible series that's coming along. No idea what the heck this is about. No idea what any ideas are. But Hollywood Reporter says that an animated Game of Thrones drama is in the early stages of development at HBO Max. Multiple sources, I'm betting most of them work for HBO, tell The Hollywood Reporter Meetings with the writers for the adult-leaning project, which would be similar in tone to HBO's Emmy-winning flagship, are already underway, no deals have been made, and there's still a possibility that the animated series will never come to fruition. So thanks for nothing, Hollywood Reporter, uh, for bringing our hopes up and then dashing them. Uh, Holly, do we really want uh, Scooby-Doo and Shaggy showing up trying to find the Iron Throne? Okay, I've already put myself in a really bad spot because I have come up with the perfect thing this could be. This show should be, this animated series should be the Long Night prequel that we did not get. Okay? I think that story would be much better served as an animated series because think about it. You like think about all the CGI stuff. They they won't have to spend nearly as much money like doing White Walkers and Ice spiders as big as hounds and everything from those legends. I don't know. It just seems like it'd be a more efficient, maybe cheaper way to give us that story. And as soon as I thought about this, I was like, this is what I want now. This is what I want this show to be. Cause I was really excited about that series that, that they canned, whether it is or not, it's the possibilities of what it could be are endless. And I think I was thinking this could be the long night and it kind of gave me Harry Potter, deathly hollow vibes from, you know, where we see like the deathly hollow story and, the Deathly Hallows movie part one. It just felt like a really cool way to tell that story, which was a legend in that world. And this, The Long Night's kind of a legend in this universe. And it could be really cool to see animated. I don't know. Ice what spiders. Ice spiders. Ice spiders. Big as hounds. <laughs> well, I, I mean, they already had the idea. I'm just trying to turn that idea that failed into this new idea that that they're talking about I, I, just do it do it hbo give it to us we want it okay well as long as we're all being sh- uh, show creators here kelly how, what's your idea for an animated series that's where i thought the duncan egg would make a good uh, animated series because you could have their adventures take over however many years it takes to make this show uh, for george to write the books and you don't have to worry about your main character getting older so that's where egg's consistent character appearance over years and years of creation could be maintained so i thought that would be a good solution (laughs) that is a really good solution i like that too i like that too because, you know, if we're just coming up with ideas, I was actually thinking about this, Holly. I love that your brains are in the same, like, creative space because I want to see Danny and Viserys in Essos and when they grew up and how their lives shaped who they became because you never got to see that. And I feel like the show, the main series, took Danny in a direction nobody expected. And I would love to have, like, a little bit of a background justification, maybe, or some sort of, like, character development and it would not be for kids you know and so we would get to see more of essos and we would get to maybe validate what happened at the end of season eight as long as we get harry lloyd to come back and do the voice of viserys if they don't get amelia clark back i'm you know what i'm okay with that but i need i need harry lloyd to continue to be viserys he's so perfect oh so good (laughs) okay susan your turn to pitch give us a pitch Oh, man, after those two, they both came up with some great ideas. Yeah, I've 
thinking about the fact that with each of the DVDs that came out with each Game of Thrones season, we would have more of the history of Westeros, that they would come out with those videos about that. So that kind of gives you an idea, like with what Holly was saying about the Long Night, I was thinking about all of the different myths and lore with Westeros from the Age of Heroes, that you could really explore some of that, that they did some of it within those history videos that came out with each season, but they could make it much bigger and better and bolder. I'm fist pumping right now. Like, yes, 100%. Those were beautifully done, too. I really enjoyed watching those. Even though, it, it, you know, reading the books is all information I knew, but it was just really fun to watch those again. And, ah, oh, yes, good point. Mm. All right, Stephanie. Uh, you're sitting in front of the HBO uh, director's uh, president, the CEO. What are you pitching? You know what I'm pitching? I'm pitching not a cartoon. that is what i am pitching i do not think we need an animated series i'm not big on adult cartoons i never have been a fan of them i feel like this is just some random person at hbo like oh yeah we're we're probably gonna do an animated series like they're just like throwing whatever at the wall and sees what sticks i don't think we need an animated series even if it is an adult cartoon or animated i think they're biting off more than they can chew with all these five different sequels or prequels that they're proposing. And Stephanie has spoken. Uh, You know what? I tend to agree with you. I feel like that uh, maybe people are just uh, saying stuff just to throw a whole bunch of ideas out there to attract ideas. I do love everybody's idea on this, but I'm with Stephanie on this one. I am not (laughs) a fan of an idea of an animated series, Uh, but that's just me. Matt, before we stray, I do want to pitch one more thought because oh. you know I gotta I gotta mention my dragons. Oh boy, the ones that flew away and totally abandoned their own. <laughs> we can see them come right back. No, we come on. Like the, we didn't get enough dragons in that scene. Danny didn't get enough dragon love in the entire series. More dragons. I was not satisfied with the amount of dragons. Give me a cartoon, an adult animated series of the Doom of Valeria. Give me something with dragons, and I will I will understand why you couldn't do that live action. Give me that art. Give me the dragons. It'll be epic. What do you think? Did I did it win you over? <laughs> uh, you do you want me to play the loser game show sound? Is that what you're you're asking me to do? No. Matt. I'm I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not even going to play it because... uh, It's really nice not to be the only one picked on now. (laughs) (laughs) Got you, girl. Yeah, poor poor Holly had to suffer a whole season of his dark materials with me picking on (laughs) him. Two seasons since we last podcasted about Game of Thrones, so yeah, Yeah. two seasons. Yeah, that's true. You all have missed out on all the fun that I've had, uh, much to the hate of our (laughs) listeners over there, too. But now, Kelly, you brought up dragons, so let's talk about dragons. We're going to see some dragons probably in this series that has been greenlit by HBO. It's called House of the Dragon. We haven't really talked about it yet as a podcast. There are some things uh, that we're going to caution listeners to not make mistakes about here in a second but i want to read this first from uh the matt's tomatoes uh rotten tomatoes dot com <laughs> is is where i collected all of this information because it was all of the stuff from all of the articles uh put together into into one uh kind of compilation article 
Uh, and it says that this will be based on the stories, uh, basically, of, of George R. R. Martin's book, Fire and Blood, as well as the short stories that appeared in anthologies like The Princess and the Queen, also known as The Blacks and the Greens, or The Rogue Prince, uh, also known as The King's Brother. You can find those in the Dangerous Women and Rogues anthologies that George R. R. Martin contributed to and helped edit. But by this information, we can kind of put together that this is going to be covering the Dance of Dragons era in Targaryen history. Uh, Production is slated to begin this year, uh, and it's expected to be released sometime in 2022. So, you know, not long of a wait. That's not that far away, right? We've all got time to, to watch other shows while we're anxiously awaiting on this to get here. Some people who have been casted, uh, Olivia Cook has been casted as Alicent Hightower, who is a key player in this. You might know Olivia Cook from Ready Player One or maybe the television series The Bates Motel. Patty Constantine, which is a name I'll probably just butchered, but I apologize for that. Uh, he'll be playing King Viserys Targaryen. Um, you can see him in a few episodes of season three of Peaky Blinders. You have Emma Darcy, uh, who is playing Princess Rhaenyra, who is probably the, mo- the biggest newcomer, but you can find her in Truth Seekers and Wanderlust. And then, of course, Matt Smith will be playing, uh, Dr. Damon. Oh, pardon me. He'll be playing <laughs> Damon Targaryen. Uh, you, of course, know Matt Smith from Doctor Who and The Crown. Um, which, you know, if, if, as long as Damon Targaryen doesn't come out doing jazz hands and wearing bow ties, I'm perfectly cool with. Uh, so your showrunners and creators actually are going to be considered George R. R. Martin and Ryan Condal, uh, who is, did the Colony television series. They're serving as co-creators. And then you have Miguel Saposnik. Uh, who is going to be working with Condal as one of the showrunners and also as an executive producer. Uh, Martin, Vince Garrettis, uh, Sarah Lee Hess, and Ron Schmidt are also credited as executive producers. Um, Saposhnik is going to be directing the pilot and probably additional episodes of the series. So there's your basic information. Let's just start with, and I don't know it's been a while since this has been announced, but now that your thoughts have kind of settled about what era this is going to be in and what kind of uh, show we're going to get, typically just based on what we know from the showrunners, Stephanie, let's start with you and your reaction, maybe when you first heard the news and now that you've thought about it regarding this series. Well, when I first heard the news before we knew all of this information, and I was excited, of course, and now that it's settled with me, I feel like it's actually real. We have, you know, big names attached to it already. We have people who are have been cast in it. We have producers, we have creators, we have George on board. So it seems like it's actually happening and it's real and we're actually going to get a a TV show out of this instead of just sitting and talking about it since we have been. I'm also excited to see Matthew Smith. I loved him in The Crown and in Doctor Who. I really like him, so I'm excited to see him. 
excited to see more dragons. I don't know how they're going to, if they have just a huge budget for that or what they're going to do with that. If this is going to be very dragon heavy, we're going to have to have a lot of CGI and a lot of work to do with that. So that'll be interesting to see. But overall, I'm pretty excited to see this. You know, the Targaryens started it all. So we got to gotta see them. Excellent. All right, Susan, how about you? Yeah, I'm very excited about it. I was a little disappointed that if they were going to be going into the Targaryen dynasty for the shows that they didn't just start with Aegon the Conqueror. Mm. Because it kind of seems like if they want to do more about the Targaryens, they're going to be kind of bouncing around. Mm. But I also understand kind of why they decided to go this route. I mean, since the dragons was one of the biggest draws, everybody loved the dragons. I mean, you don't, aren't going to get more dragons than you're going to get during this period of time. So I can understand why they were drawn to go here. And uh, I think it's I think it's going to be great. Excellent. Uh, Holly, how about you? Yeah, I'm kind of just going to echo what everybody else has said so far. But yeah, my first thought was I was disappointed because I was a little hurt. I had hurt feelings over the long night not happening. And this is fine. I'm glad we're getting something. Like, I'm glad they're making this. But just at the first announcement, I was just like, oh, this isn't what I wanted to see initially. But there is a lot of great, exciting stuff for them to cover. Like Stephanie said, the budget better be huge because some massive dragon battles. Massive dragon battles. Oh, Matt Smith. Um, I think a lot of people were, this was controversial, Matt Smith's casting. A lot of people didn't think he had what it takes. Mm. I was convinced after The Crown, after his Prince Philip, because if he went from making me feel wholesome and good in Doctor Who to making me feel like icky watching him play prince philip i think he can do damon i I learned a lesson a long time ago uh, just not to underestimate an actor in a film when they get cast in something that you don't think is right for them and then you're completely wrong and i think uh, i think matt smith definitely has what it takes and i want to see this side of him portrayed on tv this would be really neat for me in a wig or not i mean they're gonna have to do wigs right like unless they bleach his hair and add extensions which may look better i don't i don't know i am not the costume expert i can't see matt smith as a blonde but i totally agree with you about his acting and i totally agree with susan about uh i wish they would have started somewhere else but i'll get more into that in the book section kelly what did you think and what are you thinking oh immediate elation and excitement like you can go back and listen to our podcast about fire and blood like i just loved everything about the princess and the queen so hearing that they were going to do the story about that just based on that immediately excited definitely heard more you know had a little bit more of a puppy head tilt when i got more of those uh details it did take me a second to picture matt smith as damien because i had a completely different picture but i've watched the doctor obviously so many times so i could i could uh, see some nuance in his acting there that I could I could see him pulling into Damon, but uh, as far as anything show wise, yeah, give me those dragons. I'll cry every time. I mean, we know in this main series, dragons are gone, so uh, we know they're gonna die, <laughs> and I'm gonna cry out of, over all of them. Um, so it's it's a little bit of a double edged, you know, so double edged sword there. I love to see him, hate to see him go. 
I'll appreciate that much more every scene we get with them on screen. And I'll prepare myself because <laughs> I know that they'll be gone at some point. But beyond that, like, I think it's wise for HBO, for the company to, you know, they put all of this investment into this dragon technology, I'm going to call it, <laughs> to get the more uh, use out of it. This is a like, like Susan said, this is, you don't get much more than this. And I think it was a wise move. And, and you, you know, we'll talk about it in the book section, I guess, but the, you have to pick a place to start. And, you know, if you said that you start with Aegon's Landing, then people are going to say, well, why did they land there? Like, show me the Doom of Valyria. And then they're going to say, like, you know, you got to pick somewhere. And I would say this is about as far back as you can go and still maintain, like, audience familiarity with what we're looking at here with, in terms of, King's Landing and the, you know, the houses are are somewhat established in, in maybe different people, but they'll ha- still have the same tone, you know, as, as we've read about uh, in, in Fire and Blood. So I don't know. I, I think they named it ambiguous enough, kind of, as I said at the top, like they called it House of the Dragon. They might still have some, you know, false hope that they, they take it further than just this, uh, this battle that happens. And, and, Maybe a little bit bef- based on the age of the characters and what characters they cast it already. I'm thinking of where they're going to start it. So I'm thinking, I'm hoping they give us eventually, probably not in this series, um, prior to the Rhaenyra, Mer- you know, time frame, and maybe before and how she got to where she is. And they kind of sounds like they're starting right at the conflict. So I'm hoping that someday we might get prior to this stuff hmm. on screen. Interesting. I have many torturous thoughts for you when we get to the book section. I want to add, I I do want to add, um, I, on the regular show, um, on this podcast, I was famously team direwolf and now I have no choice but to be team dragon. And I'm really excited about it this time around. So I'm with you, Kelly. We're no more, no more fighting over creatures and which, which is better. (laughs) We're all on team dragon now. I don't know. I know this is a podcast, but for, you know, visual people, uh, for, to give you a visual of what happened when we got back on after not talking for a while, uh, Holly has gone bleach blonde and I've let my natural dirty blonde come back. So we have uh, actually straight up flipped <laughs> in true. lifestyle representation of uh, our teams as well. So, you know, people can change. Uh, I, I've got a, I've got heart, heart space for both creatures. <laughs> I just wanted to add that I was listening to a podcast by Gray Area, one of the Game of Thrones podcasters, and she's been covering to this. And uh, she brought up a point that within the Blood and Fire books that Damon's appearance isn't ever really described real well. So it's kind of like we've all kind of put this idea in our head of the rogue prince. He must be this masculine rogue guy, but he isn't really described with a whole lot of definition so some of george's characters he does put a lot of description into but he he really hadn't in in damon so that's just a little interesting thing to consider you know as to where we were coming up with some conception as to whether matt smith would fit it or not but i do think he is an excellent actor so i think he will be uh up to it as well and you know look back at the original actors with game of thrones if we had any of us had seen Amelia Clark before they put her in wig and makeup and anything, do you think any of us would have thought she would have been a good Daenerys? Mm. <laughs> good, good point. Also, just to harken, we were talking about Duncan Egg earlier. There are there are a few Tar- Targaryens in the original Duncan Egg novella that aren't blonde at all. Correct? correct. Yes. Yeah. 
So uh, it, you don't necessarily have to to be uh, doing the ridiculous Rhaegar thing that they did in season seven <laughs> in, in order to, uh, you know, of course, uh, flesh him out as a Targaryen. And I love those thoughts, Susan. But we do know that this is going to be uh, a, probably a pretty big cast. We know from the story that there are a lot a whole lot of, of characters uh, that this story involves. And, and that brings us to a certain group of characters that work together uh, in and out of this particular uh, storyline as well. And uh, a guy who just loves giving me crap. He rips me every day on Twitter uh, criticisms of my <laughs> podcast, criticisms of what I'm wearing, uh, whatever. His name's Patman. Uh, he's at Patman23 on Twitter. And uh, with no regard to spoilers for anyone or what have you, uh, he put out a statement uh, regarding the pronunciation of a certain name of characters that we may see in House of Dragons. There's been no official word of any of them being casted. But Kelly, will you help me out uh, by... I'm going to read this tweet, uh, but I'm going to leave the names out uh, because I'm scared that Patman will come after me if I uh, pronounce these names wrong. So here's what Patman23 said on Twitter. So the Valeri Blanks are also Valeri Blanks, but Valeri Blank and Valeri Blank should only share one syllable in common. Only one. Don't pronounce Valeri Blank like Valeri Blank, or it will confuse everyone, or people will get mad, like me, I'm the people. Lean in at least to the soft O sound at the end of Valeri Blank to differentiate it from the soft A sound at the end of Valeri Blank. I was scared to say those names, Kelly. I, I was so scared to say those names because he'll just come after me. Um, can, can you uh, please help me understand what he's saying there? So I'll do my best because uh, I was realizing as I was writing this that we don't have any of the family that he's referring to, to um, on the show. So unless you listen to the audiobook, you've really only ever read these names. So he's saying, uh, referring to Valerian, for the sea snake uh, and the families of that whole uh, house. And then there's Valerian, which we have heard because there's like the houses of old Valeria and it's a landmass is Valeria. So anything from Valeria is Valerian. And the house where the, they're kind of an offshoot of the Targaryens or, or subjects of the Targaryens is the Valerians. And I'm emphasizing it. I don't know if I could, if I were reading a paragraph, like when I, when we first read this book, um, my second read through, um, my boyfriend's first read through, we, we read it out loud to each other. I, I doubt he would be able to tell you which house I was talking about when, when I, or which V word I was referring to here <laughs> when I was reading it out loud. Cause I don't think I made that big of a distinction as I say it out loud. I think in my head, you visually see the word and you know what you're talking about. But when you say it out loud, it sounds the exact same. So uh, we will be making that mistake. Uh, please bear with us and understand that we'll do our best. But I did learn a fun fact that I think the reason I say Valerian is like the dragons, because it's more of a proper noun, like the house, the Valerian house is uh, like named after these people. So Valerian, Dragon, Drogon, Viserion, 
similar in that way. Valerian is like um, like a language uh, or people. Like so, what that word, the words used to describe relating to a region is a dominion. Dominion is the word that is used to describe. So if something is American or Dominican. What you're describing is a dominion. I don't know. It rhymes with synonym. So dominion is what those are called. So since it's Valerian, it sounds like Dominican or American. Hope that helps. <laughs> I appreciate it. Patman23, help me out. You can blast me on my own personal Twitter. Pew, pew. And you can blast Matt. me back because you spelt it wrong. So, <laughs> oh. they're, they're, but, yeah. so they're actually spelled out, um, very, uh, slightly differently, too. So they might be pronounced diff- differently than I'm even saying them. So don't come at me. Uh, but I think if for ease of, of pronunciation, that's the actual uh, pronunciation. It's Valer. Jan, I don't know, and then Valerian is more that way. Valerian, I'm done. Valerian. I'm done trying. I can't do it. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, okay. Here, here's the game. Here's the game. Rather than what's worse, we're gonna try and pronounce <laughs> these names. Holly, say Valerian and Valerian. You say Valerian. I say Valerian. I don't know. Ooh, nice, <laughs> Stephanie. Uh, Valerian and Valerian. All right. Good, Susan. Tell us how it really goes. <laughs> I agree with you all so far. The Valerian for the house and Valerian for the land. And I do believe that they have proposed someone for the role of the sea snake. So I do think we're definitely going to get that house. Excellent. Woo-hoo. Cool. We'll master that. it by the end of the series, probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Kelly, most exciting thing about this particular show that you're looking forward to? Easy peasy, dragons. Give me those dragons. Give me those sweet, sweet, powerful women riding those dragons. I'm here for it. (laughs) Excellent. Holly, how about you? Uh, Kelly stole both of mine, but I'm going to go with the powerful women. I'm going to give her the dragons, and I'll take the powerful women. Excellent. (laughs) All right, Stephanie. Dragons. Dragons. Susan. Dragon Battles. Dragon Battles. Excellent. All right. You know what I'm most You know what I'm most excited about, right? What kind of music is going to be in there? That's what I'm most excited about. Is is you know, there's there's so many questions about this because this is the kind of thing that isn't decided until after production has started usually. But you have to think that Ramin Javadi has at least been approached to do some of these things since he was the creator of the narrative of the music for Game of Thrones. Or at least he's been asked permission if his themes can be used uh, to to accentuate different parts of the characters for the show. Uh, However, if Ramin says, nope, I'm just going to ride the tales of my Game of Thrones concerts, which I know Holly's seen, maybe some of you have seen. If you can't have Ramin Javadi scoring any of these shows these potential shows who do you want who's your favorite composer that you would want scoring these shows i know i'm throwing you all under the bus with these kinds of questions but here we go if you had to pick a composer other than ramin who would you choose how about you holly okay i feel both obligated but also excited to say lauren balf just because (laughs) of our other podcasts that me and matt do together but no, I really was impressed with his work on season two of his Dark Materials. It was fantastic. And um, I'd like to see what he could do with this. Yeah, stole my thunder. Kelly. Yeah. I, I'm 
Same as you, Stephanie. I don't know that many other composers, but I loved his music enough that I looked up who he was and found he's done several shows that I enjoy. He even made a hurdy-gurdy awesome, and that's uh, Bear McCreary. I think he did amazing <laughs> music in Black <laughs> I, for real, that's how I learned what a, what a hurdy-gurdy was, was the, the theme song, The Black Sails, and the music. He also did uh, The Walking Dead. Like, he's just very evocative in his music, and he really makes those shows feel much bigger. And I, Bear McCreary, look him up. He's awesome. Battle, <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. Yes. Uh, Blood and it, Chrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, lot, lots of shows. All of those. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's very good. That's an excellent choice. I would go with Lauren Balfe as well. Let me put this in your ear. Him and Ramin have studios right next to each other in the UK. Um, so they've been listening to each other's stuff a lot uh, throughout the years, which is very interesting to me. Uh, I, I remember back when we was doing his Dark Materials podcast that somebody tweeted me and said, Does, doesn't uh, the his Dark Materials intro sound a lot like Game of Thrones? And I said, no, they're really not the same. And then Lauren Balfe came back to me and he said, you know, we've got studios right next to each other. So maybe he stole something from Ramin. I don't know. I didn't hear it. That's maybe they me. should collaborate. Uh, oh, that would be even better. But if we were going to have some of Ramin's music in this House of Dragons, uh, one of the things that I think that we should look forward to hearing is uh, the presence of the Iron Throne itself. And to me, that's embodied by uh, what people call the Baratheon theme. It, it, instead, I call it the, the King's Arrival theme, what the original cut on the soundtrack was named, because it was all about the king. We heard it used for John in season eight, because uh, especially uh, when him and Daenerys were coming into town at Winterfell, and when Sam revealed the whole idea of John being the true heir. Um, so to me, uh, the King's Arrival theme, this one is the one that I think that we might actually hear adapted into the new series if it remains true to the concept of, of Ra- Ramin's ideas. Another one that I think that we should hear that is more with the Targaryens is what I call the Dragon Connection theme. And this had to do about the relationship between Danny and her dragons. I don't necessarily want to say that Daenerys's theme itself is the Targaryen theme, even though I think it's been called that by some people. I don't necessarily think of that. I like to think of Daenerys's narrative and that that theme is much more being about her story, that telling that narrative of her rise. And I feel like that that would definitely not be as appropriate as this, the Dragon Connection theme, uh, which we hear a lot in Game of Thrones. So those are the two things that I think uh, we could definitely hear. And we just found out on February 1st, which was after this recording was made, but we just found out that Ramin Javadi, according to his agency, Garfane and Swartz, his CV has been updated to include at least scoring the pilot for House of the Dragon. Now, obviously, if there are Starks involved, we could probably hear that as well, right? Kelly, do you think we would hear a Stark theme if a Stark ever happens to come to King's Landing during any of this? 
Oh, I'd love it if they tied those themes in between the, the series. Oh, that would be the best. And even like, I mean, before I listened to you, Matt, like I didn't know anything much about, I didn't know much about uh, how music influenced shows. And after listening to you for all these years, I've actually started paying attention to all that stuff. And it totally, looking back on it, it's huge in influencing how people feel about the show they're watching. So I would love it if they, they tied that emotional t- themes together. So I would... I would say if they don't, they're dumb. If they listen to you (laughs) and they go with at least something similar, that would be wise. (laughs) Oh, well, thanks. Uh, Stephanie, one chance to to get cut off of the podcast now. But what do you think? Would you rather hear some themes from Game of Thrones being incorporated into the show? Or do you want something totally new? No, I think incorporating the themes from Game of Thrones would be a nice way to tie everything together. Excellent. You're still you're not cut off of the podcast yet. How about you, Susan? Am I going to am I going to am I going to disconnect you from the call? What's up? (laughs) No, I I agree. Also, I would love to see them make those kinds of connections. I, too, didn't really know that much about musical score, but I love listening to people talk about it. And, uh, you know, and and certainly initially started to learn more about it from you probably than anybody. But um, I love listening to people talk about that stuff now. And seeing how it really does influence things. Excellent. Holly, uh, your chance to get back at me for all those times that I've treated you bad. Um, I hope whoever the composer is, they use a piano a lot in the music. <laughs> <laughs> get them. <laughs> oh, that that deserves this. <laughs> you got me. You got <laughs> me. I hate the piano in Game of Thrones. I hated the piano in Game of Thrones. Uh, she knows right how to just go f- for the throat with that. <laughs> Ramin is just going to get influenced from all. What, didn't he do the music for Westworld? Like just all of that piano. Oh, he yes. was using, oh, good. He's been using piano for much longer than that. He started using piano in, in a person of interest on CBS. So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love I love those Westworld piano covers though. They're so good. <laughs> Can you imagine having a Nirvana Nirvana cover playing underneath on piano playing underneath uh i don't know uh some kind of dragon battle no i love it for westworld but like no yeah obviously i don't think that would fit but (laughs) i don't have a problem with his use of and the piano and the two pieces that he used piano prominently matthew Mm. (laughs) get him you gotta call him by his full name when you when you sass him uh, noted. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get the Matthew a lot in the His Dark Materials podcast. <laughs> All, All the right. Time. Let's get to some final thoughts here for our TV only people so that we can let them go after giving them an hour in content here. Let's just uh, around the room, rapid fire or not so rapid fire if it opens up a conversation. But Stephanie, let's start with you. Anything about any of these or House of Dragons specifically or any of the shows specifically, what are you thinking as we go uh, looking forward to 2022 and beyond? Looking forward to jumping back into this world, going back to Westeros, meeting everybody, hopefully get some Robert's Rebellion and some Dunkin' Egg, and I'm here for it. Excellent. How about you, Susan? I'm just super excited to get back to having anything that has to do with Song of Ice and Fire on HBO, though I still want Winds of Winter even more. 
Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, th- no, this one, th- that one deserves this. <laughs> yes. So, uh, thank you. Uh, who haven't I called on here? Holly, how about you? Like everybody else said, I'm really just excited for more A Song of Ice and Fire content back on our televisions and having people to talk about it with on Twitter. I just miss, I miss that time from Game of Thrones. It's only been, it's almost two years now and it's, and it hasn't gone away, but just the collective experience of all of us watching and enjoying a show together. I I really miss that. And I'm looking forward to more, whatever it is, I'm going to, I'm going to eat it up no matter what it is. So bring it on. All right. And Kelly, how about you? Same, same, same. Uh, give me dragons. Give me Westeros. Uh, I'm I'm excited about it. Stop teasing us with the prequels and uh, announcements and leaks and stuff, you know, and actually give us give us good stuff. And, you know, I'll be happy. But either way, I'll uh, I'll be here with you guys about it. So that'll make me happy as well. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it just because I love seeing Twitter meltdown over d- divisive things and this is definitely something that will cause that uh between fans it's gonna be so much fun and i'm just gonna sit back and have a lot of fun with that myself you can find kelly at kelly underfoot on twitter you can find holly at hunt pants on twitter you can find susan at black eyed lily and you can find stephanie at sm persephone on twitter i'm matt you can find me at before the dragon pod on Twitter, and that's with the letter B, the number four. You can find all of the back episodes of this podcast and all of those links that you need and uh, all of that stuff at mattsaudioblog.com. That's two T's and an S and then audioblog.com. We're going to be back at the end with some book talk. If you're a TV-only person, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on Before the Dragon Podcast. to the letter B, the number 4, the Dragon Pod. Send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com or call 314-269-0421. Find all information and back episodes at mattsaudioblog.com. You're still here. You're a book reader, right? Sure. We know you are. Uh, you're a TV-only person who wants to be spoiled about what might happen in House of Dragon? Hmm. I'm, I'm actually okay with that, too, if, if you want to be spoiled. What I'm not okay with is people who don't want to be spoiled that are still here. Turn off the podcast in three, two, one. Spoilers coming for books regarding any of these shows and my first thing uh, i want to get back right on to the house of dragon thing susan just like you i was actually hoping that they were going to make this series uh kind of an anthology you could have a season with the reign of Aegon and the sisters you could have a season with the uh with uh Jaehaerys. you could have a right. season you could have a season with uh, this uh, or maybe even two seasons with this. Um, I understand that that logistically is a big problem for getting actors, uh, for reconverting the story, 
probably different sets because of different time periods, what have you, because it, it would span over a course of, you know, what, a, a couple hundred years uh, to go over all of this stuff. So, I, but that, that was kind of my, my hope. I, I really wanted to see Alisane and, and Jaharis. That's, that was one of the things, although I guess because it is so, other than a few personal kind of tragedies, things, um, Jaharis and Alisane are, are, are pretty sunny and maybe that's not good for Game right. of Thrones television. But if they were going to do Aegon and his sisters and then the immediate fallout from their, the, the next generation with uh, Megor and all that, then Jaharis, that, that could have all fit into there because he was one of the ones that helped with, you know, the overthrowing of Aegor and what happened after that. So, I mean, I think that there could have been a lot of drama in there. My concern, because I, I feel like if they are going to be doing the dance now, then afterwards they might want to do something else. Are they going to hop back to Aegon? Or are they going to go forward to the Blackfires? It just seems like it's a lot of hopping around where they could have made it much more linear and it would have made a lot more sense in terms of being like a fantasy history. Kelly, tell me why I'm crazy. <laughs> well, because you're not thinking with your pocketbook, you guys. You have to think. Oh, that's it. That's the one. <laughs> you're thinking with too much artistic integrity and from a fan point of view. Like, this is all about Game of Thrones was breakout genre on the scene. There was no guarantee that it was going to be as successful as it was. Now that it was, they need to keep people coming back. And just a, a like, I'm thinking even of, you know, Robert's Rebellion is is great. And I liked the scenes in Rome that were based on, you know, the war parts of it in the beginning and stuff. Like, But there's like, there's not as much to keep you engaged. So you need this dragon battle. And that's, I think, how it was pitched, how it was sold and why they're going that direction. I think it's short-sighted like you guys. I think starting with the climax of the uh, Targaryen dynasty is a little bit strange. Climax in terms of like the story excitement levels. This is where it should end, not where it should start. It's a little strange, but you know, there's the most material, the most content. They're being lazy. They're thinking with their pocketbooks. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, Stephanie, I'm going to give you this uh, statement and you tell me true or false. If I don't get mushroom, I'm quitting the show. Um, <laughs> false. Oh, you don't like mushroom? I don't really care about mushroom. <laughs> oh, I must have mushroom. I must have mushroom. Holly, true or false? It's true. I need mushroom. 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 I need. I need mushroom. <laughs> Susan. Oh dear. Well, I'm not going to be so fanatical about it that I could. It would take a lot more than that to make me quit the show, but I definitely want Mushroom included. <laughs> okay. We definitely got shorted on Fools in, in Game of Thrones proper, so we had no Moon Boy. We had none of them. Oh, who was the other one? Um, Patchface? Pat, no, no Patchface. Who was the other one that was with the Tyrells? What is Butter, butter Bumps. Butter Bumps. Butter Bumps. Yeah. Got none of them. Um, so justice for the fools and the jesters. We we need mushrooms. 
I think I also think mushroom is pretty integral to the story because there's there's, a, <laughs> there's I mean honestly there's so much to the story that is already written like granted it's from a maester's point of view but like there's a lot that is just it's written canonical this is what happened where's the mystery where's the excitement I can think of like two or three like kind of things that are going to be cliffhangers for the audience in terms of like long term like theorizings you had you know, who's John's mother? You had these things that could be theorized for show watchers, you know, like throughout the entire series. Like, what are they going to theorize about this? Is it just going to be this happened, then this happened, then this happened? Like, they have to put some stuff in there. Like, are these kids legitimate? Who killed the king? Like, there's going to have to be some mysteries that they build in. And I think Mushroom can really play a good role in that, in that I, capacity. I think we can go even a step further and Mushroom be like, the narrator, like Lady Whistledown in Bridgerton, and he just kind of talks over and has and says his piece and spills the tea, and it could be funny. I don't know. <laughs> All right, Stephanie. Uh, now that I I, I totally uh, threw you threw you under the bus there with my stupid question, uh, what do you what are you feeling from a book perspective about House of Dragon? Good question. Is this the book? It's based on Fire and Blood. The, the story within Fire and Blood and also those uh, little short stories, which were basically incorporated into Fire and Blood, uh, uh, The Princess and the Queen and, and uh, The Rogue Prince. Um, I had a real trouble, if anybody remembers from Fire and Blood, I had a real trouble with that book. It was a slog for me to get through. So, you know, maybe they'll make it a little more interesting than it was on the page, you know, with dragon battles and everything. But I had trouble with the source material myself. Yeah, there there was a lot of, of uh, just it, it did read kind of like a history book in a lot of ways. And uh, I think Kelly and, and Susan can testify to the fact that I was completely checked out by the time we did the last two chapters. Is that right? When I pretty, pretty much checked out, Kelly? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was I was so done with it. I, I you, just... you were about the same level as you were on like the last episode or two of the uh, the Grand Northern Conspiracy. You were you were about there. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't quite that angry, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I was pretty much checked out. Uh, fi- final thoughts? Uh, well, not final thoughts, but any thought book wise about House of Dragon and its relationship to the story, Susan do have something that I'd like to talk about as a potential idea for a series from this world, but um, I'll come back to that when you're done right now. Okay. Sure. Why Uh, not? This is, this isn't my original idea. I'm always, I'm always sharing anybody else's original ideas here, but this is something I heard the folks from history of Westeros talk about a long time ago. In fact, I think they might've even done it at a conference, brought this up when people were talking about other series they, were, they suggested, and I just thought this was brilliant, they suggested the idea of a series based on Nymeria. Because think yes. about this. You could start with a season in the Rhoyne. You could have all those wonderful, fantastical city-state cities that were run by these fantastical principalities that had the water magic and all that stuff going on there and their battle with Valyria and the dragons. So you can start off there. Then you could have a season of her wandering on her boats to all these wild and crazy locations where they would have all these horrible things happen to the people that were traveling, all these refugees that were traveling with them. Then they could have her arrive in Dorne, you know, and then they could, you know, take it as far as they wanted to in terms of the establishment of House Martell and and her becoming a princess there. But I think that would be fantastic and it would open up the world 
in terms of getting to know more of Essos and other types of magic from the world, but then it would also incorporate it into Westeros and what people know about there. I love that idea, Susan. You know where the HBO execs checked out, though? Where? When you said Dorn, that's where they checked out. <laughs> oh, because no. they, they were like, oh my God, that was such a failure. That was no. such a failure. And I was and, about to cheer on justice for Dorn. Let's do yes! this. Yes, yes, yes. Let's show them how Dorn can be wonderful and interesting and fantastic. Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's it's. I think it's a wonderful idea. I think that Dave and Dan ruined that for any exec uh, from here on out. Unfortunately, that's my only problem with it. But I love it otherwise. Uh, Holly, what you got for me? I guess I just want to talk about the things I'm excited to see now that we're in book talk. So you know, obviously, like Matt Smith and dragons, dragons of different colors and sizes than what we're used to seeing. And then, yeah, the dragon battles, which are going to be incredible and then also incredibly sad. But, like, there's just, man, the Aemon and Lucaris battle in that storm, you know, over Dragonstone. Like, that is, was intense to read about. And then, obviously, the battle above the god's eye. I mean, those are two huge, epic dragon battles right there. That'll be really, really exciting to see. And then Nettles and Sheepstealer, looking forward to. Uh, Blood and Cheese will also be really Oh, that's going to be an intense scene moment. Man, there's a lot of really, really good television stuff in this. I do agree with what everybody else was saying that like this does seem like the climactic part of Targaryen history to kind of just focus in on. But there is a lot of good stuff in here. It'll make some really great television. So, Kelly, (laughs) true or false? If I don't see a sword go in an eye, I'm going to quit the show. I mean, does it have to be a sword? Let's just clarify real quick here. <laughs> it's got to be a sword. Sword, sword in eye. Yeah, yeah. There's got, there's got to be swords in eyes every, every season. <laughs> um, otherwise, Holly's gonna have her work cut out for her. She's the Matt Whisperer. Um, we'll have to coax you back, but we'll, we'll do it. But it's just it's gonna, it's extra work. I'm not looking this. forward to that. <laughs> I got this, guys. Cracks knuckles. Does um, have to be a very particular sword in an eye. I'm thinking of at least two. You got you t- you thinking um dragon eye, right? Don't hold God's back. Eye. We're in book talk. I, I'm just not I'm just trying to remember. Um I was thinking of the, the boys when they were fighting and, and the one lost an eye. I was thinking that one too. There's several opportunities for, for swords and eyes, but that was a dagger. So I'm just making sure. Or it was like a fight? Uh, he lost the I eye. Was, yeah, I was thinking yeah. when he lost his other eye to the sword. Same prince. Yes. Okay. Over the god's yeah. eye. Yeah, that was one. That's a that's a um, sword through the eye of the dragon. Yeah. This show it does not shy away from Igor. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're at, we're at risk here, Matt. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. That's good. Uh, let's get uh, let's get uh, any thoughts that you have, Kelly. Uh, other thoughts about the House of Dragon here. Uh, yeah, I, I do try to stay optimistic and positive about it. I'm very excited about it. There's so much opportunity for, for glorious scenes, eye candy all over the place. The, the, the show only gets better, I think, in terms of the CGI. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they've had time to, to work, to correct and to, to improve from this, from the main series. Yeah, you, just, you have to hope that, you know, that they don't lose two steps forward, one step back in terms of what their investments are in what they, what they prioritize. You hope that they learn too. You know, you really hope that they learn about like this 
you know, you don't need all of this stuff that made Game of Thrones um, controversial, like this unnecessary, you know, how do we portray someone as being a bad guy? Let's have him beat on a girl. The easy tropes that they, they messed up in the, in the first series, let's avoid those. So I'm thinking, I'm hopeful that they've learned their lessons on stuff like that, and we'll just get good TV out of this and dragons. <laughs> Stephanie, if I don't get Cregan Stark at uh, maybe near the end, I'm quitting the show. No, stop trying to make me quit the show. <laughs> okay. She's not quitting, ladies and gentlemen. She is in here for the ride. The podcast will continue without me. They just got to learn how to record themselves and put it all together. It's not that big of a deal. I'll even edit it for them. I'll even put it up for them. But I will not participate. If uh, uh, Let's turn to Robert's Rebellion. Susan, if I get the Mountain and Elia, I am quitting the show. If I do get it. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh. I don't know that we want to see that. Yeah, oh, I think we can, I think we can all do without that. Yeah, especially oh. with the children too. Oh, it has to be there, guys. Oh no. Yeah, you can't skip it. No, oh. well, you but you don't have to. You don't have to necessarily show it really graphically. I mean, not not That's like nice. you had to show Oberyn's head exploding. Oh, you're man. right. You're right. Oh, oh, <laughs> they're gonna do it though. It's HBO. They're gonna do it. Oh, Man. Now, now, Stephanie, I'm have sad. I made you quit the show? Have I made you quit the show now, Stephanie? Yes, yes, <laughs> now I've finally quit the show. You had to bring that up. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm good at being a dissenter, aren't I? Okay, uh, let's go around one more time. Any story, uh, potential story, possible story, we'll start with you, Susan. Go ahead. I just am thrilled. I'm not 20. 22 to be here as soon as possible so that uh, we can get it on the screen. Yes, that's good. Holly, how about you? For Duncan Egg, especially, I am looking forward to a clout in the ear becoming part of everybody's vernacular. Uh, like, <laughs> you know, nothing Jon Snow and the other great ones. But yeah, a clout in the ear. I can't wait to hear that over and over and over again and see it. <laughs> My gosh, I even forgot about that. That's how much I paid attention. Uh, Kelly, how about you? <laughs> yeah, going all the way back to Duncan Egg, I don't. I just want to see his checky water, and I want to know, you know, that they that it will be protected at all times. She will not have my checky water, <laughs> and I want to see uh, his boot. That was like all of the build up to what was in. Egg's boot, and we finally found out <laughs> what was in his boot. And as far as House of the Dragon, oh, I want to see. Um, I want. I wish we could ho trust that we're going far enough back in the storyline that we'll get to see why they're called the Blacks and the Greens. I want to see that ball, um, mm -hmm. that celebration, and I want to see all the dresses and all the the glares and all the pretty hair that they're gonna have. Like, I just I want to see that scene. Um, I loved those King La King's Landing like extravagant celebrations that they had and, and just watching everyone get theirs at the end, you know, <laughs> but that drama, I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to have to take some of the dragon budget for that. Uh, you're going to only get half of a dragon battle somewhere because they have to do that ball. <laughs> That's the way it goes. Stephanie. Uh, oh, go ahead, don't, Susan. Don't bring us all the way forward then to where we had to have that other ball where the kids just had to stand there and they had to bring in the hundreds of girls yeah that that's about the point where i checked out i think I, the I'm cattle sure. call yeah right <laughs> <laughs> stephanie your thoughts any thoughts 
Robert's Rebellion, Tower of Joy, Rhaegar at the Trident. I want to see all of that and then dragons. Where do you even start that one, Stephanie? I mean, where do we start this story at? Do we do we go? I don't know. Do we start at, at the tournament? Um, I think so. We have to yeah. have the tournament at Harrenhal. Yeah. I, I yeah. just feel, you know, and, and uh, that means you even got to cast a young Jamie, right? Because he's got to be knighted there. Yeah. Uh, you got to cast a young Tywin because he's going to be pissed. Well, I guess you got to cast all of them anyway. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm kind of with you on that one. Um, or, or, uh, I don't know. Uh, I personally, if, if, if they're going to go back further than that, I would say, let's get some made up backstory on Robert and Leanna's relationship and everybody, all the book le- readers are now, uh, turning off the podcast cause I just ruined a song of ice and fire, but I, I'd <laughs> like to, I'd like to see, uh, you know, I'd like to see, this is my own personal fan fiction here. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll start a Tumblr soon so y'all can read it. But I, I personally would like to see Robert's advances and, and Liana, you know, just like this is her duty and this is what she wants to do. But it's not really what she's into. That's what right. I would like to see. Yeah, see, let's do yeah. it. <laughs> beta Aria, like beta, the beta version of Aria, right? Like before you got <laughs> to <laughs> full on Aria. I'd love to see that. Like just to see how you could like draw the comparisons between the two that we never got to see, but was always hinted at awesome <laughs> yeah you could have a few episodes leading up to before the the tournament where you had things like liana and um benjen ben the not ben benjen but the uh, the older brother brandon uh, brandon you know yeah. riding their horses out on the you know around winterfell and you know and various character things you know ned in in the eerie with robert howland reed yes yeah. Ooh, good point. If we have, if we have, if we were to start at the tournament, then we would almost have to see the Mad King uh, with uh, Ned's brother and father, also, right? That's going to be oh, awful yeah. to watch. That's going to be awful to watch. Ooh, <laughs> but I, I can take that better than the sacking of King's Landing, probably. I I really want to see the battles too. Um, like I want to see Randall Tarley's victory over Robert. That would be really cool. And the Battle of the Bells, which we mentioned earlier, would be really cool. And didn't something happen at Duskendale too? Wasn't the Mad King like kidnapped or kind of held hostage there for a little while? That was I... the Battle of the Bells. That was the battle. Okay. Yeah. No, okay. no, no. That that was Duskendale. It was a little bit before. Um, yeah. But, okay. But the Stepstones. The Stepstones, right? It it would be a good thing to add though because it would be it's supposedly kind of the thing that drove Eris over the edge. Like before that, he was real eccentric and kind of you know half crazy. But after he was in prison there and uh, Barristan had to break him out, after that he was supposed to be kind of like full on crazy and paranoid. Wait a I minute! Just, you mean it wasn't just... Brand time traveling and going back and dri- driving <laughs> Mad King mind? Oh no! All the TV theories are going out the window. What? Now I'm excited about Young Barristan Selmy. I forgot about him for a minute. Oh, that's exciting. (laughs) Well, and uh, who who was the the Kingsguard that Ned fought? I mean, we saw it in the main. Arthur Dane. Arthur Dane. Yeah. Got to see that. Ashara Dane. Oh, the Ned Ashara love story. Yeah, that's some of the stuff that that probably George doesn't want to be, why he didn't want Robert's Rebellion to be made, is some right. of that mystery hasn't really been clarified yet. 
I'm He's sure there were lots of story. things in season six, seven, and eight that George didn't want either. But uh, there you got him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be showrunner decision making, and that's where we all kind of sit on pins and needles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my final thought is just like keep all our fingers crossed that the reason why they could even be talking about Robert's rebellion and Duncan Egg is because we're getting Winds of Winter sometime soon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> really. <laughs> You are so wrong. You are so wrong, Susan. So wrong. I want you to be right so bad. I really, I really do. There was those Stop. great the posts that he made a few months ago that he's been working on it. Yeah, a few months ago. <laughs> and also a few months before that. And before that. And before that. <laughs> I know. I don't I don't crush hopes, but I also don't give false hopes. So we'll we'll see, guys, eh? Thanks, yes. to the, thanks to the oh. pandemic, he canceled almost all of his 2020 appearances yeah. and could just work on the book. <laughs> You'd yeah. think. All right. So, Kelly, if people mm. want to tell you how to truly defeat me, uh, how do they find you on Twitter? Send me those secrets. Very, very powerful secrets. Uh, <laughs> at Kelly Underfoot, uh, K-E-L-L-Y and Underfoot like my girl. And yeah, anything Game of Thrones, Song of Ice Fire related, that's mostly what I'm doing on there. So shout at me. Susan, if people want to find you and ask you what kind of podcasts don't have a ridiculous host such as myself, how do they do so? <laughs> uh, well, I am on Twitter under Black Eyed Lily, and hopefully I may be getting back into more fandom discussions now that the crazy year of last year is over with. Stephanie, you've been a joy to have. How can people have your joy? How can they share your joy on Twitter? Oh, there, I don't know if there's a lot of joy on Twitter, but no. <laughs> um, I'm at SM Persephone. And uh, Holly, what's weird about you? My Twitter handle, it's Hunt Pants. That's it's weird. <laughs> I'm at the letter B, the number four, the Dragon Pod on the Twitter. See ya. Bye. Bye.